a gun with the Florida Gators. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyam, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement, energy. You know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there? I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, we are combining episodes, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Would you Efficiency. say it with such like a sad tone Efficiency. in your voice. <laughs> you know, we're doing this because not motivated by anyone here being too busy. No, sir. Listen, not here that. On the, no here on over judgment. underlying factors, no outside conditions. Like, Listen, here on Sideline Judgment, as much as we both would like this to be our full-time job, oh, yeah. the reality at the moment is that it is not. So, therefore, we have to adapt around life and work. And thankfully, Tyler... You are out there working on, what are we on, Redacted 6, Redacted 7? That would have been Redacted 6. 6, right? Yeah. Coming up now is would be 7. I'm going back to a previous Redacted. A previous Redacted, exactly. The second version of the previous Redacted, exactly. Um, So that is why we are combining episodes, ladies and gentlemen, because Tyler was kind of busy, too busy, and so we're just going to do both of our episodes in one this week. This is Thursday that you're listening to the podcast we are recording Wednesday, so uh, we are really cutting up against the clock, but we're dedicated, and this is what we are going to do this week. We'll start with our week six review, a bit more condensed than usual, and then we'll go into our week seven preview, where we'll go into the Gator game, we'll go into five wide, and we'll go into two point, just like we do every single week. Tyler, let us begin with the Florida Gators performance last week against Vanderbilt, 42 to nothing blanking out a shutout, if you will, of the Commodores. Tyler, what did you think of the game, um, both on offense and defense, just like a catch-all? What did you think of the game? Offense looked fine. Um, defense played really well, um, in my opinion. It's like, yeah, they're going to give up plays because I always have to remind myself that like we have to reframe what we think of as defense in today's day of football mm-hmm. in the sense Agreed. of it's very hard. And, and Florida did shut out an opponent in this game. It's mm-hmm. very hard, unless you're Georgia, to they're like, the exception. They're, they're not the, the exception to old school. Just bully every play and no positive plays per game. Your opponent, mm-hmm. like Vanderbilt, had some really good drives that ended in missed field goals or turnovers. Um, and credit, credit to Florida to to do those. Florida got a shutout, which is extremely hard to do in today's age of football. And like, yes. even though it's Vandy. I don't, you know, a, a couple like a twenty-yard reception here or there to me doesn't mean it doesn't take mean anything that I didn't already know about this team. Like, mm-hmm. well, it, it just it just tells me that Grantham is still playing the secondary a bit further back and allowing for the slants to occupy the space there because the linebackers are coming at the quarterback's throat, especially with an offense as unexperienced. I'll say to be nice as Vanderbilt, you know, the Grantham was going to put pressure on him and that was going to be a part of the game plan. So I'm I'm with you. I'm not too bothered by. Um, the space in that area. Um, 
And yeah, look, Emory Jones had his best career game as a Gator. I know it's not saying much because he's only played, what, five, six games, six, seven games, whatever it was. So yeah, it's not saying as much, but it's, it shows that he's continually improving. You know, he could have shown a step back because Vandy is at the same level, if not a little bit worse than FAU. Um, Vandy's at the same level as a USF kind of thing. And so it's nice to see that against similar competition compared to the beginning of the year to now, he has grown and improved enough to make those decisions. Um, a couple things that I wanted to say real quick, though. Anthony Richardson um, struggled a little bit in this game when he still got, got in. some stuff to learn. He's got some stuff to learn. Um, Mullen was very vocal about saying that he still needs to learn how to command an offense. And I thought that was a great way to put it. Um, Mullen also talked about how he didn't like the performance of the team at halftime. He said three words um, when asked. He had was asked two questions going into the locker room when asked about the quarterback's performance. He said pretty awful or no, he said pretty bad. And then when asked about the defense, he said awful. And then he walked into the locker room. See, this is why it's so it's so interesting. It's so a little bit frustrating because like. On a game where Florida won 42 to 0, mm-hmm. Dan Mullen called this quarterback performance pretty bad and his defensive performance awful. Uh, granted, at halftime, and they were there. And were it was, things, it was what, things, 14 nothing at halftime? It's like 14. I think it was 21 nothing. 21, like, maybe. Yeah. I mean, and it was, it wasn't, it could have been better for Florida. And mm-hmm. then there's just, there's games where like we do pretty terribly or we lose games we shouldn't. And mm-hmm. that, that side doesn't seem to come out. Maybe. This will be maybe this is a try Dan Mullen trying to change and get back on top of things. Maybe this maybe. is just Dan Mullen reading Twitter. That's that's what I was gonna say. Uh, one mm-hmm. thing is that like you have to acknowledge that uh, I I don't care what anybody said. Um, Dan Mullen read the tweets. Absolutely, like, he Dan read the Mullen tweets. read the tweets. Um, they called and they called way more vertical passing plays than they had before, mm-hmm. in my, or at least they. Maybe not so much Dan Mullen read the tweets as Emory Jones for sure read the tweets. Right. And I was like, I am going to try to pass as deep as possible, which he did mm-hmm. more than others. And I do agree with Dan Mullen's saying that like the coverage dictates what you what you call on offense. If they're yes. going to play the deep ball, which I get why teams early on probably did against Florida this year because of last year. If you're going to play for deep, they're going to take the small stuff. If you're playing against Vanderbilt, who probably can't cover your guys very deep for very long, you're probably going to throw more deep balls as mm-hmm. than you would against Alabama. But at the same time, that's not good enough to be explained. It, it is kind of weird how it's just like, oh, the entire problem has been explosive passing plays up until this point, and mm-hmm. then just a bunch of explosive attempts at explosive passing plays. Like, yeah. See, the I, tweets had been read. I was going to say the tweets had been read. Um, I am not going to be one to argue with Dan Mullen about offensive game plan and offensive strategy. Um, But I am glad to see that, you know, there was attention drawn. The man called a fake punt in the third quarter. All right. Against Vanderbilt. Okay. He read the tweets. He read the tweets. He read the tweets. Yeah. 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 He read the tweets. um, I don't want to dwell too much on this Vandy game because I think that it's a bit more. um, I think that it's a bit more valuable for us is maybe to talk about next week's game when we get to that in the second half of the episode so anything else you want to say on this tyler before we move on to a massive piece of news that happened this past week yes um just the last thing is that like i keep seeing on twitter or some people saying like this florida team is bad but not bad and i i don't agree with that the florida team's good or fine they're just not great like right and that's i think been the big problem this season is that we just came off a great team and now we're having an okay team Mm-hmm. And it's almost more frustrating, like that the team is 
okay than if it yeah. were just bad. Especially the same weekend where Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts both went off in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, so. All right. it is I'm what it you. is. But there's not really much to take from this other than, oh, yeah, team can still produce. I mean, in my opinion, Damian Pierce cemented his status as the number one running back, but that's a topic for another day. Um, <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> Moving forward. I mean, where was Malik Davis? I. <laughs> Injured. He was injured. Oh, really? Uh, we're moving on. We are moving on. Notable games of the week, Tyler. We only have four listed on here. Originally, we had like 12, but we yeah, kind of realized. One, the first one has the value of like six. Like, So here's the thing. This game probably should have been in five wide, if not for Texas A&M being unranked. Like if Texas A&M was ranked 25, we would have put it in there. But yeah. because we were so low on Texas A&M, we did not put Texas A&M and Alabama in five wide. And as a result, it is the first game on Notable Games because down went Bama, Tyler. Texas A&M, 41. Alabama, 38. This game was, what, 31 to 10 at halftime? Something like that? Something similar. Uh, Texas A&M basically had them for the whole game. And this was the case of, like, like, Texas A&M was either leading or tied for pretty much the majority of the game. I think there was a mm-hmm. small period of time in the fourth quarter where Alabama started leading um, by like one possession. Mm-hmm. But Texas A&M would just put, put their foot on the gas and kept driving the whole game. Like, gotta we, we have to make an apology to Zach Calcutta. Start calling him by his real name. Hold on. Wait, wait. I, I'm not ready. First oh. of all, I will call him. No, no. I will call him by his real name. Calzada. Yeah, okay. He deserves the respect to be called Zach Calzada. He just beat Alabama. He beat Nick Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. He deserves that respect. But when you look at what happened in the second half, it was very clear. And if you watch Nick Saban's halftime interview right before he runs in, he was relatively – he was much calmer than I thought he would be with his team down multiple scores on the road to mm-hmm. an unranked football team. He was much calmer than I anticipated. And it and it made sense because he was kind of like, we're going to win this game. I'm not going to panic. I know my team is good. And in the second half, they came out and they did that thing. They were much better okay? in the second half. In the second half, Alabama ran 45 plays in the second half. Up until that last touchdown drive where they were down for seven points, they came back to tie it. Uh, A&M did. A&M had only run seven offensive plays in the entire second half. So Alabama really flipped the switch. They knew They were struggling at the beginning. And they flipped the switch. Now, here's my question. Was this more of a Kyle Field performance? Was this Alabama players not living up to the Alabama standard that we have come to know with them starting out the gate hot? Or was this just AM playing really good football and then holding on for dear life for the entire second half? I think it's a combination of a lot of that. I don't think it's as much an indictment of the value of the players because I think mm-hmm. it's still – a it's still probably the, one of the best rosters in the country. Like, mm-hmm. but this is a younger team, and I think Bryce Young, Kyle Field definitely has to be a part of it because it's a night game. We, we, it's shown that big environments so far have rattled him because the swamp really kind of got to him in the second half. He's um, he's nineteen years old. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I completely understand. I do think that it is a matter from when I from what I watched in the game that the key to Alabama being in the situation they were in in this game was offensive mm-hmm. miscues. Yeah, their defense gave up some big plays here or there, and credit to Zach Salgado, Calzada for capitalizing on those plays. Mm-hmm. Like, But 
part of the reason this game was the way it was is that Alabama several times, Bryce Young threw a pick in the end zone. Uh, there were some fourth downs that they missed, penalties, uh, miscues on deep balls. Everything was there for Alabama to t- take control of this game offensively, and they kept falling short. Well, yeah. They still scored 38 points. Like, right. And um, it's still one of the best offenses in the country. But there mm-hmm. were all these little things that is like – it's just – it was like a very – the the machine is not completely fine tuned just yet. Yeah, you know. Yes, the car the car runs and the car is very fast and it looks good, but every couple miles, there's something wrong with one of the gears. Like it's, it's not. It's it's a it's, it's a Bama car that in the past the Bama cars let's call them I don't know just for the sake of argument Escalades. Um, the Escalade. <laughs> <laughs> the Escalade usually is always topped off with gas the oils always change and all the tires are working in this car there's a check engine light on and we can't pinpoint what it is Mm -hmm. but because nick saban is the best mechanic i love this analogy is the best mechanic (laughs) in the country you know that he's gonna fix that check engine light by the time the season ends did we just find the perfect nick saban analogy by the way we just stumbled into that (laughs) If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean, if for anything, this was an incredible game. Credit to Texas A&M. I called them. I've called them overrated all season. I still believe, for the most part, I'm kind of right. But like, well, well, they showed it to you in this football game, right? In the first half, they were like, "This is what we can do." In the second half, they were little children afraid yeah. that dad that mom was going to come home and the chicken wasn't defrosted like that yeah. is what they looked like in the second half and then somehow some way they defrosted the chicken in the last four minutes <laughs> yeah i mean and this is part of the like i saw one tweet that was like excellently summed it up why college football is great is that like zach calzada will probably be selling insurance in four years like um <laughs> and he just beat the goat like, C- cadillac insurance car insurance shut <laughs> up like um <laughs> No, but it's true. And then he goes he goes out with what looks like is a torn ACL, PCL, on MCL, <laughs> and turns out it's just a hyperextension. But the way that he kind of fell on, by the way, a beautiful ball in the corner of the end zone, by the way, fantastic touchdown. Um, it looked like he tore his knee up and it was like, cool, Texas A&M is going to be tied and have to go down to win the football game. Your two options are a walk-on who has never played college football before and a converted, I believe it's a converted punter. Is there other quarterback oh, wow. that's on the roster? Yeah, so the options weren't can looking you, too good. Can you use your leg to play quarterback? Genuine question. This is a Steve Spurrier question because <laughs> Spurrier used to punt. Remember? On third down, yes, I remember. Yes, <laughs> yes he used to punt, yes. He punted so on third down because he question. was so disgusted with his own offense? <laughs> no, I was talking about in the 60s. He was also the punter yeah, yeah, of the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you knew that. You just weren't entertaining me. Um no, but it's it's a testament there where you're right. This is part of what makes college football fantastic. Calzada's going to be selling insurance. Calzada's going to have an internship at um, some investment bank in four years. That's what makes it incredible. He can tell everyone for the rest of his life, hey, I beat Alabama on one leg. <laughs> Texas A&M is a program that has always been like, hey, look at me. Like We have all the things that we need to be nationally relevant and be a championship level program. And guess what? We've never done anything with it. Um, <laughs> and so this win is pretty big for them. Um, now, they got to do something with it. And But I will say what it's bigger for is for everyone, for the this is the 
Jimbo Fisher is now the first Saban assistant to ever beat him. And no one can take that, that away from him. About. What? No one can take that away from him. That's that's there forever. Saban is 20 whatever he is and and one now. I think it's um, 23 and one now. Jeez. Um and you know what? We and always said that it was just like I always felt like Lane Kiffin would be the first one to do it just because mm-hmm. the way but it would it makes sense that it's Jimbo Fisher in the sense that Jimbo Fisher would probably be the second most likely or second or third. Kirby Smart only because he has talent, but Kirby Smart, all these coaches are defensive coaches, and they just they just cannot mm-hmm. beat Nick Saban at his own game. Well, we we also have Fisher the philosophy an- where like Kirby Smart is Kirby Kirby Smart to run a program because of what it takes to run a program is a great fit because he can recruit at that level. But just give everyone on the same exact roster talent. We say this all the time. We would not take Kirby Smart. We don't no. think he's the best in-game coach. But Jimbo Fisher is an offensive guy. And I think Jimbo's the closest to like Nick Saban that any of the Nick Saban people have come in terms oh, of building the He's the only one with the national championship, so yeah. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was that mostly Jameis Winston? I tend to believe, but, <laughs> um, but still, he's an offensive guy. He's one mm-hmm. of the two main Saban assistants to, to play at this, at this level of coaching that is an offensive guy. The other one's Lane Kiffin and then the other one's Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm. And so it's, this is big for Jimbo Fisher. This does not change my thoughts on what this Texas A&M team is. Um, and I just feel really bad for Mississippi state this upcoming week because Alabama is just going to take him to the woodshed. Like, yeah. Yeah. Poor Starkville, poor Starkville. Yeah. It's, um, but look, that's that's uh, that's a Alabama whole lot of still, Alabama's still probably going to be in the playoff. So oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Look, that is a whole lot of um, how do I put it? That's a whole lot of discussion about Nick Saban in this game, which was fantastic. It was you know number one team goes down, you got to talk about him. But let's go ahead and move on, Tyler. Let's move to Lincoln, Nebraska, because in Lincoln, Nebraska, there was <laughs> there was a a certain football game played between Michigan and Nebraska that was tight and contested throughout the entire game. And then Adrian Martinez did Adrian Martinez things, put the ball on the ground and allowed Michigan, a notorious running football team this season to just drive down and kick the game winning field goal to beat Nebraska 32 to 29 Harbaugh and the khakis walk out of Lincoln, Nebraska unscathed and with another victory to remain undefeated. So Nebraska has continued to look like a much better team than their record suggests. However, every time they lose because of the total, they, they've lost all their games by a total of like eight plays. Like, um, yeah. And like if eight plays go different, they could be undefeated. However, they're the type of team that doesn't make those eight plays. So like, <laughs> it's really hard to say they're getting robbed or anything. And yeah, I, I, my coworker these past couple of days, one of my coworkers is a big Nebraska fan. Oh, wait, wait. You know someone from the cult? Yep. You got to tell me how it is. So he what? actually seriously is just like really loves Scott Frost. And he's just like, he thinks Scott Frost can be good. He loves what they've done to their defense, which was weird to me. And um, But the other thing is that he's just like, honestly, he's like the problem. We just – Adrian Martinez has just got to graduate, man. <laughs> like, and it, it was just like, he just, you know, it's a fourth and one and he tries to dance to the side and I'm like, just fall forward, buddy. And, <laughs> and to that, I agree very heavily. And it was just like, 
it's it's his yeah his whole point was just like adrian martinez you know he's, he's just we gotta go you just got to move on. Like, so so I disagreed with everything that this guy said up until that point, but he is so right about yeah. Adrian Martinez. And when you framed it like that, I was always just like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because mm-hmm. it's just like Scott Frost is still, I think, you know, pro- he's probably a very smart coach still, but it's like the defense – I don't really have a lot of interest in Nebraska's defense because I don't think it's that good. But Neither do um, I, yeah. But he's got a good point where it's like it's possible that they just need to get a new quarterback. Like Adrian – and that, this is the, this is where a lot of teams find themselves, especially in the NFL, is when, when you have a quarterback that's not bad enough for you to have a reason to truly like, get rid of them. Like this is the Kirk Cousins dilemma. Yes. Kirk Cousins will yes. never be bad enough for, for Minnesota to be like, man, we will not be good enough if we if we, if we don't move on from him. But he mm-hmm. will never be good enough for them to win the Super Bowl, in Correct. my opinion. Like Correct. And and it's just it's hard to be in that situation. That's what Nebraska's getting right now, because like AJ Martinez can get you yards, get you some touchdowns, and has won a couple games that are but it's always a, it's it's those eight plays. Mm-hmm. And they're right. not all on him, but it's those eight plays he needed. To be and they just—they just tend to happen at the worst possible time, That's true. too. Like the luck—the luck that he has, or or just you know, what the, whenever he makes those mistakes is horrendous. So I kind of feel bad for him in that sense. Um, and this Nebraska team, like the guys in the locker room, it seems like that that team is playing really well, playing really hard. They're just making mistakes at the wrong moment most yeah. of the time. It's Adrian Martinez. They keep getting so close. Like yeah, and, exactly. And also on the Michigan side, at the. This this is not the team that's going to beat Ohio State. I don't care. 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 <laughs> I can't wait till you're vindicated on this. You've been saying it for a couple of months now. I'm very, I don't I'm very excited care. for you. <laughs> They're not beating Ohio. This is not the team. <laughs> this is not the team. You're correct. You are correct. Um, okay, before we move on, is Nebraska college football Scientology? Huh. I've never heard it phrased like this before. Well, I just came up with it because I joked that it was like college football's cult. And I realized, oh, my gosh, unless you are like out, unless you're in that Nebraska football bubble, either as a fan or as a member or whatever, you really don't understand what Nebraska football means to Nebraska fans. Yeah, they're still like sold out every week, like every week, man. They have, And again, this is it's like one of those things where I tried to explain to somebody who was only a Gator fan and, you know, didn't understand college football really outside of their understanding of the Gators. They mm-hmm. get it like now, but like right. no understanding of the history of college football. It was like, yeah, Nebraska used to be Alabama. Oh, yeah. Like straight Absolutely. up. Nebraska, Nebraska was where you want to be. Colorado was Clemson. Yeah. And like and he was just like, no, that's impossible. And I'm like, no, but it's very possible. Like it <laughs> well, not only like, is it possible, <laughs> it's actually true. <laughs> like it happened. Like, Nebraska- oh, and by the way, the, the guy coaching, the guy coaching um, Nebraska now. Yeah, that he was the quarterback. Like, <laughs> yeah, like and it's like, you know, that like there's an argument to be made that Nebraska has a better football history than Florida does. Like. They absolutely have a better f- football yeah, history I mean, than Florida, and so that that's but that's what you're up against when you're trying to talk about Nebraska, where it's just yeah. like, yeah, that's interesting. I get College you. Football Scientology. Yeah, we'll just that'll be in a sideline judgment. Nebraska. Yeah, sideline judgmentism will sprinkle on there. We do those a lot. We have a bunch of those. Um, all right, Tyler. Two more quick notable games, and then we'll go into the five wide. UMass twenty-seven, UConn thirteen. Shout out to UMass. 
just they celebrated like it was nobody's business like they should have because they knew that was their only taste of victory that they could add yeah i feel bad for yukon but i'm very happy for umass that's all i wanted to say don't want to talk i I have no additional thoughts but i concur like you know the game was on flow sports is that why we couldn't find it like because it was pay-per-view there Flow are Sports people, is a like a the subscription fact that there service. Are people out there who paid specifically to watch this game. Yeah, Flow Sports has like a subscription service, but they also I think you can also pay per game. So that's technically pay per view. Oh my god, I can't believe I know. this! Like, I know. Uh, you know what? I can't. That's, that's better than that's better for content reasons, for joke <laughs> reasons, than if it just had not aired anywhere at all. Which, Absolutely, I'm all there for it. I'm all there for it. Um, all right. And then the last notable game, Tyler, Florida State 35, North Carolina 25. Florida State gets out there with a victory. Tyler, you have some things to say about Man, one. You know, Matt, Matt Brown, Brown, it's just tough that the media gave up those 35 points. To, <laughs> like, media, as, as is often stated, media, great offense, no defense, man. Like, <laughs> like, Always on the attack, never obvious, defending. Obviously, it's their fault, Matt Brown. Their fault. <laughs> For drop, letting a te- like the worst FSU team of all time, like mm-hmm. drop thirty five points on you while you only score twenty five. Get out of here. Um, sorry, Mac Brown tried to blame if, if you couldn't tell from what mm-hmm. I was dropping, but like Mac Brown tried to blame the media that North Carolina was supposed to be a good team, which is fair in the sense that preseason projections do influence the way that we view teams. Mm-hmm. However, the fact that, again, they lost to FSU, the worst FSU team ever, by 10 points when they were supposed to have one of their best teams ever with one of the best quarterbacks this program has ever had. Um, whose fault is that? Maybe the head coach. Anyway, <laughs> you know, take a look at yourself, Mac Brown, because that's, that's not a good look. Not a good look, Mac Brown. Not a good look. Let's go over to five wide, Tyler. If it wasn't for for – a&M beating Alabama, this would have been the game of the day. It was Red River, Oklahoma 55, Texas 48. We both picked Oklahoma. We both get the points. This this game has everything. <laughs> it did. Stefan would have loved this football game. Tyler, just give me your thoughts on the game. Um, I, I can't remember the last time Oklahoma-Texas was not a close game. So, like, from mm-hmm. the fact that it was close, what I expected – um all right let's think let's let's talk about it um texas looked really good like texas has looked vastly improved this year yeah i agree and they played really well xavier worthy the freshman he's gonna be really good casey thompson has looked increasingly better every week john robinson the the god i can't believe you can't draft him this year i know i'm so i like (laughs) can we do the did you know that in the in the 80s um, when the Celtics drafted Larry Bird, they actually drafted him after his junior year, and they were like, "Oh, we know, he, he, we know he's going back to college, but we're just going to draft him this year, and that way no one can draft him next year." That's what we're going to do, and that's what happened. That's what if, Larry Bird. What if teams could do that still? That'd be crazy. The, like, the NBA in the seventies and eighties was a wild, wild time, dude. <laughs> wild, wild time. Um, <laughs> but go ahead. You're right. Speaking it, of wild times, uh, mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler got benched. R.I.P. to the Spencer Rattler starter role. Oh, yeah, he's not. No, because of what Caleb Williams came in and did, who looked like Spencer Rattler can could run the offense from like a play to play basis. But Caleb Williams comes in and immediately adds that Oklahoma explosiveness that we came to be familiar with Oklahoma with 
with with Kyler Murray and uh, Baker Mayfield, and a little bit with Jalen Hurts, less so, but a little bit. Like, and Spencer Rattler did not had not really shown that. That was always the one thing missing from Spencer Rattler is this the is the big play and the big moment, the explosiveness, and Caleb Williams comes in can run the offense effectively and just doles out like four of those and, and not only time throws exactly back in the game and got them in the position to win the game with that weird wildcat play that won. That was, that was great. That was, that was, yeah. Right. And, and so that's the thing he comes in and immediately puts a spark um, to the team. And you're right. It, it, now that we, now that we've seen him play, it's clear that he is that extension, that quarterback extension that we've had that, that recent lineage that we've had with Baker to Murray a little bit to her. It's like you said, and I guess clearly took a little bit of a dip with Rattler. You know, not that Rattler's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's a bad college quarterback, but he doesn't have that X factor. You know, Oklahoma's used to that high-level college quarterback NFL prospect. Um, doesn't seem like Spencer Rattler really is that kind of guy compared mm-hmm. to Caleb Williams. Um, he had the throw of the year so far, in my opinion. So far, yeah. Um, he, he throws that ball running out of the pocket, going towards the sideline, puts it exactly where it needs to be, goes about 60 yards on a dime. And then the receiver makes a fantastic catch at the three, stays in bounds, and then gets in for the touchdown, which to believe after the two-point conversion would tie the football game. So incredible football game. Inc- I didn't think it could get topped game. after last year's four overtime thriller. And well, the, the fact that this all happened in regulation was incredible. Well, and the fact uh, well, that Oklahoma was able touchdown. to win on yeah. a game-winning touchdown, th- th- it was a run. It, with a second left. It was a wild – it was a direct snap. Uh, I Kennedy Brooks took the ball and, and great scheme um, by the offensive line, like great blocking patterns and everything. Yeah. But he ends up taking the ball in for a touchdown with one second left. It, it was just incredible. I still hold Lincoln Riley as a good football coach. I can confirm Lincoln Riley is a really good football coach. Actually, you know, I actually think Steve Sarkeesian is going to probably be pretty good at Texas if, 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 if like – Right, right. So here, here's my thing. Texas was back for a quarter and a half, by the way. Yeah. Like, like Texas would like, like we're back, style back. Like they look really good. Um, But this loss, and I said this on – it's a great time Drop to it. plug another podcast. I said this on the t- uh, the tailgaters, which is <gasps> you're cheating um, on me. <laughs> excuse me, sir. We had a, we had a prenup that was signed <laughs> <laughs> on the tailgaters, which is a college football podcast um, done with my friend Kevin Borba on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast today. Um, I said this on that show this week that I think that this loss for Texas is actually a great thing for their program long-term. This loss to Oklahoma in the first year of Sarkeesian is equivalent to the Kentucky loss by Florida the first year of Dan Mullen in terms of a changer of a program's trajectory because you can't deny that that changed the Florida. Well, that changed a lot of things. Like- changed a lot of things, exactly. So I like for a, a lot of reasons, I think that this game for Texas is good. Because it's finally that like, hey, look, you were good. You competed. It worked. You guys just need to do better and you guys need to stay that way for four quarters. And we'll see exactly what happens with, you know, with yeah. with the rest of them. But I like the way they were playing. They got young players and it's clear that Sark is coaching them well. They just need to recruit better on the offensive line. And I think they'll do a good job. Um, we have to – before we move on, we have to have a small discussion. Where do you think Spencer Rattler's playing next year? Spencer Rattler is the starting quarterback 
at first of all, pause. Isn't it we all we all knew Spencer Rattler would be playing in a different uniform next year. I didn't expect it to be a college uniform. <laughs> I didn't. I did not expect Manually, it to be a no, college no, uniform. Like, and it's like I never thought Spencer Rattler was as good as the quarterbacks last year, but it was right. like somebody has to be QB one and he looked the most primed to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Sam or Sam Howell, and both of them have been having terrible years. Um yeah. but- to answer your question though, um I see him I see him this is going to depend on if Dabo Sweeney is willing to change his mind. But if Dabo Sweeney is willing to take transfers, I think he would fit in at Clemson in the quarterback room. Not saying he would start. But if not, then I see him at a second tier power five program. Something like a middle of the pack ACC school. Um, maybe I see him going maybe to Penn State after Clifford. Even though that's not second tier, that's a top tier um, that would be good. School. That would be good. I, I think that might be a good fit in um, with what they do yeah. over there at Penn State. So something like that. All I'm like going to say is I'm going to hate it when he's the quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs next year. Dishonor on you. Dishonor <laughs> on your family. Dishonor on your cow. I hate that <laughs> statement right there. Um, no, I also want like, to. I, I hate it too. But like, it just because JT Daniels is, is yes, like yes. his eligibility has got to run out after this year. I can't imagine it's still going. I mean, can they depend on someone who you genuinely don't know if he's going to be healthy or not at quarterback each week? They haven't been. They've been playing Setson Bennett, who's been which well, okay, we'll talk about it in a second. But like, yeah, we'll talk about. He's been second. fine, but like again, Setson Bennett's eligibility has got to run out at some point, mm-hmm. and I don't trust, and I wouldn't trust any quarterbacks to come after that because it's Kirby Smart. Um, right. But right, uh, who's you know, I we trash a lot, but it's genuinely and a fantastic coach. But like, exactly, just I can see it like there. He does because I don't know if Spencer Rattler would want to take a step down at a, at a program. See, but I don't. Th- I don't think it's his choice. I know, true. I know for a fact Tennessee is going to be courting him. Oh, he would fit well so at Tennessee. Tennessee's courting him. Nebraska's going to be courting him. Like. He would fit very well at Tennessee. I don't see him going to Nebraska, but I think he would fit no, very think, well at Tennessee. I don't think he'd go, but Scott Frost would be a fool to not go for it. Like, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, all right, oh, let's oh, move. I, a better one. Sorry, last one. Oregon. Yeah, yeah go. Oh, fun. Oregon's got a, Oregon has a playoff roster outside of the quarterback position. Yeah. I like that a lot. I we'll like see. that a lot. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. All right, we're going to move forward. Um. Tyler, we have Arkansas 51, Ole Miss 52. We both picked Ole Miss, so we both get the points. I'm going to say the same thing I said with the last game. If this was, if it wasn't for Red River and Alabama losing, this would be the game of the week. <laughs> Which is crazy because most of these games happen at the same time slot. Let's I know. Go. The noon slot was fantastic last week. Um, um, what do you think of this game? Game was incredible. KJ Jefferson might have a place in the league one day, in my opinion. Matt Corral is... Like KJ Jefferson looks like the like a Arkansas brand Cam Newton like <laughs> you know yes um, like he, I mean and largely it's the, the statue K- looks just like him like KJ um, Jefferson is the equivalent of I want Cam Newton we got Cam Newton at home and it's KJ Jefferson <laughs> <laughs> it works technically it's still on the same type but it's not Cam Newton um. I say I continue to be impressed with KJ Jefferson's passing ability on that team. Um, Arkansas is really good. Ole Miss just slightly a bit better. Um, I think at the end of the game, the last two minutes is incredible because Arkansas has game winning drive, 
like a game tying drive, great. Ole Miss scores on the very next play, like, mm-hmm. um, like in a very Lane Kiffin esque style, and then like just an immediate touchdown, like, and mm-hmm. then Arkansas has like less than a minute and just like was just marching down the field, like, mm-hmm. and then Arkansas goes to with no time left, scores the touchdown and goes for two. I agree 3 million percent with the decision to go for two. I didn't like the play call. Okay, um, let me in defense of the play call. Arkansas had scored on that play earlier in the game. Um I don't dis I don't dislike the play call. I dislike the execution and excuse me, if you look at the replay, he had a shovel pass option that was open right in front. Oh. So I, I I'm not saying that that was the I, I don't that wasn't the primary target. But it was the secondary target, and the secondary target was open, and he threw to a covered primary target. So I'm not against it. I don't like, though, and I'm not going to knock it. I mean, I ain't going to knock it, but I'm not going to go crazy. I don't like um, shortening the field, bunching up the field in that sense. Critical situations. See, but I wouldn't mind a rolled out to the opposite uh, side of the field where he had a lot more space. It's true. It's just that like you have to be careful because some quarterbacks are really good on the move and it's hard to it's it can be hard to defend them on the move when they're throwing mm-hmm. on the move. Um like this was a whole thing with Blake Bortles when he was in Jacksonville. Blake Bortles was one of the is genuinely one of the best throwers on the move. Uh-huh. Like being able to throw the ball accurately while you're still moving your feet. It's not a mm-hmm. skill that even many good quarterbacks have. Like right. But the problem is that you can't build an offense solely out of that because you can't constantly be shortening your field to one half side of the field. Like, Agreed. If you want to run a consistent, successful offense, what it was, but my only thing is that like I'm going to resolve back to my roots in football, what I love as the one person in the world who defends the quarterback run and Dan Mullen's use of it. Look, guys, like it's your Arkansas, Sam Pittman. You're an offensive line coach, and you have KJ Jefferson run the football. Just bunch up and run the football. Like yeah. it's almost defensive and gas. It was the right decision to go for it. Just, mm-hmm. just run the football down the throat, and you win in Oxford. Genuinely, I believe so. Like it, and it's not it. the it's not the one yard that we always advocate of of the you know the one yard quarterback sneak. Just do it. No, but it, but it's two yards, so I get that. But in my opinion, I, I would have also just ran. Like you know, I yeah, just ran. two yards. So you're you're going in a shotgun and you're you're getting ahead of steam. But like. Mm-hmm. You know, do 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 the Kansas State thing or the old school Bill Snyder Kansas State thing. We get the quarterback and you get two the two backs right next to him, and then you got just everybody else up on the line and just like a little diamond turtle formation, and then you just dive. Like, yeah, I'm with you. Sorry, I get it. I, I'm with you. It doesn't take away to the greatness. Thing. It was this doesn't take away to the greatness. Exactly, great game. And you love to see Ole it. Miss. You really needed this. Like, yeah, they did. Well, both they really both did. teams needed this performance, and it's more of. It reminds me, okay, Arkansas Ole Miss aren't bad. Like when mm-hmm. it's just that Alabama and Georgia are better, but like, right. And but these speaking teams of Georgia, are fun. speaking of Georgia, they beat Auburn 34 to 10. We both picked Georgia. We both got the points. Um, Jack, this game played out exactly how we thought it would. Shocking, truly. Yeah, like, it really did. I will um, say, looking back, mm-hmm. Auburn moved the ball better than I thought they did, but they, they, did. Could, they couldn't score, which is what I saw coming. Like, mm-hmm. Well, that's that's one of the qualities of a great defense, right? Even if they let you move the ball downfield, they either limit you to three points or they limit you to no points. Mm -hmm. And, um, but on Georgia's side, I mean, like Stetson Bennett, the mailman, has looked better this year. 
Excuse me, the Law Offices of Stetson Bennett the Fourth, please. His full name. The Law Offices of Stetson Bennett the Fourth have improved their legal practices this year, but um, (laughs) I still I still worry about their ability to go up against a truly great defense. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. because Auburn's fine. Auburn's a good team, and also like. Again, it's that weird thing where Georgia has the best defense in the country, and that's like not even debatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have just kicked butt on everyone, and they have faced exactly zero good offenses so far. Oh, sorry, one good offense in Arkansas, and they just they just destroyed them. But like, they also didn't score an offensive touchdown against Clemson, one of the other best defenses in the country. So I'm just, it's 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 being hard because Georgia absolutely deserves their ranking now. They they deserve it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to look at the law offices of Stetson Bennett the fourth and continue to be like, yeah, this team will win a national championship. If like, a team can consistently score on Georgia and has a good defense, that's the way to beat them. I know that's very basic, but like it's in true. Reality, that is I the think way. there's only one team that could do that, and it's Alabama. And it's Alabama. I agree. I agree. Doesn't uh it's not very good for us as Florida fans, eh, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, but Great performance for Georgia. Georgia is exactly the same thing they've been for like five years now. Um, right, right, exactly. Th- this this was a quintessential Georgia game. Like I said last week, what analysis there is there to even take from this? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Next up, we had Penn State twenty, Iowa twenty three. We both got the points on that one. This was a good football game, and I feel bad that Sean Clifford went out with an injury I, because I think they could have won this football game. I can't believe I'm going to say it, but if Sean <laughs> Clifford was the quarterback, Penn State would have won this football game. I know. Has I can't believe it. ever been outed before? <laughs> <laughs> Not on this podcast, it hasn't. <laughs> like I've, I've seen little bits here and there being like, Iowa, we should make Iowa rank number one because they beat a better team this week. I'm like, come on, guys. You don't uh, believe that. Like <laughs> they, they beat the Penn State team that. that we saw last year. This was this was after Sean Clifford went out. Their offense was very much Penn State from the COVID season when they were horrific. So yeah. slow down. Slow down, people. It was it was this was a good game, and it was very much a Iowa won the game because Iowa is very good at treating each week like it's just the only thing that matters that week. And they play mm-hmm. each game basically like I don't know. When I get when I watch them, I just get the sense of like they are truly mastered the we're just trying to go one and oh this week. I was gonna say that they never look ahead. Never they, look ahead, they, never look you behind. will never they like, will never have a letdown game in that sense. Yeah. If they lose a game, it's because on that day they were just outplayed. And that's why I think that's why I think that they've won so many of those big games at their at home. Like you know, that mm-hmm. they're famous for. Yes. Is because of that mentality. It's like when you're there, that day is all that matters. And I that agree. has often led to them losing. But like – Right. And – but this was another one of those cases is that like they don't look ahead. They don't look behind. They're just looking to the football game that day, something that I think a lot of coaches envy. But I think like Iowa's defense is really good, but they're a fine team. I am mm. not entertaining an Iowa playoff experience. I don't care. Like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Tyler – Book it. I said this on the tailgaters as well. Wisconsin's beating uh, Iowa. Oh, okay. You said book it, and I was just like, are, you, st- are you saying book it for Iowa going to the playoffs? No, like, no, no, calm no, the hell no. down. <laughs> no, Wisconsin's beating Iowa. Okay. Wisconsin's beating Iowa. I ju- it's it's Graham just Mark's like going to put on that blindfold and just it's, start. No, it's more like it's more like the big the, the Big Ten West hasn't given us. Point. Right. The Big Ten West hasn't given us a Big Ten West type loss, and it's got to come sometime. 
Yeah. In this crazy football season, it's we got to get one, you know? Yeah. So. Alrighty. Last game of the five wide. Kentucky 42, LSU 21. I got the point. You picked LSU for some reason. So it was just because I was just like, look, LSU just got a historic loss for them. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky just got a historic win at home. I was just like, it's it's all feeling too good or too bad. It's just gonna, the pendulum is just going to swing in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be because I, I just it's one of those things where like it feels like the play for everyone is to pick Kentucky. So I was going to try to do that thing where you're zagging while everyone is zigging. Well, well, yeah. I get it because so it. many times in college football, you, you look back and it's just like, oh, the zag made perfect sense in hindsight. Why did we not see it? And like, mm-hmm. but we didn't believe it. Right. I tried to overlook it, but then. It also falls into the other thing, college football, where it's just like, just trust what you trust what you see sometimes. Like, <laughs> Kentucky is better than LSU. Like, Well, I just, I think that this game proved and solidified because, yes, I, I don't think LSU is the best football team, but I think it shows just how good Kentucky is. And it both, it proved and solidified that what we saw in Kentucky before and after the Florida game wasn't a fluke. It was not a fluke. They're a good football team. Florida is as capable, as much responsible of losing that game as Kentucky is winning. But it, Kentucky's a good football team, and, yeah, and Mark Stoops deserved that coach. Kentucky's six and zero. Yeah, Kentucky is six and zero. Hey, congrats on going bowling, Kentucky. Regardless of what happens, you're going to a bowl game. That's amazing. Which- yeah, in week six. They're bowling six and zero. So uh, I want to hold off. I want to hold off on the Coach O discussion. I think we can have it. Well, we we'll preview have it this in a second. Like, exactly, exactly. So let's let's go forward to the two points. Tyler, your two point conversion. You picked Oregon State twenty four, but they ended up losing to Washington State thirty one to twenty four. You don't get the points there. I still think um, they're a better team. I agree with you. I thought that was a great pick, and I might have made that pick if if you if you like if I went first for two point last week, I might have made that pick. So I just, sorry about that. I just. heavy breathing heavy breathing it's just not my year man it's not your year but there's plenty of time to turn it around um i picked baylor to beat west virginia 45 to 20 i got the points um that gives our total sergio 31 tyler 22 i have a nine point advantage over you tyler six weeks into the season so uh, I could even if I had a miracle week, I couldn't make it up all in one week if I wanted to. Correct. You are. It is. It is a two possession game officially. <sighs> officially. Um, all right, Tyler, let's move forward to the preview. Let's talk about those Gators and let's talk about Coach O because the Gators travel to Death Valley to take on LSU. It is a noon kickoff Eastern 11 a.m. local time kickoff. Yikes. 9 a.m. for your boy. 9 a.m. for my boy, Tyler. Um, all right, Tyler, what do, what do you think about this game, Florida-wise, and then we'll get into LSU. All right, so Florida-wise, I think Florida's going to come in super mentally prepared for this because let's look at the upcoming factors. Like, So last year, I, Florida, in my opinion, did not overlook LSU because I think Florida really wanted to beat them in the sense of Florida knew they were better. Florida lost last year. They wanted to beat them. But I think Florida – Florida gave themselves too much credit. Like mm-hmm. they they thought they were good enough to rest a bunch of their players. Like like they rested cow pits, and there's other factors to this as well. Well, did you and, see what Emery said? Yeah, it's just like yeah. 
we didn't overlook them, but we thought we had it in the bag. Exactly. And that's what we as fans were doing the same thing. It's like, no, we were 100%. circling that LSU game, but it's because we thought that no matter what, we were winning it. Like Exactly. And that's the that's not, I think, what's going to happen. Is because like, especially with the bad teams last last year, Florida is now four and two. They've mm-hmm. got nothing else to play for right now except for pride. And maybe like if you beat Georgia, like the slimmest of shots. Like um okay. you would need Georgia to to lose another game. Um, mm-hmm. So what you're really playing for right now is your own pride. You're playing to get revenge. Um, Recruiting. And these this Florida team is not so high and mighty about themselves. That's not a bad thing because last year's Florida team was really good, so they had every reason to think highly of themselves. But like this Florida team is fighting every week to prove that it can ball. Like, mm-hmm. Agreed. And... I think that Florida, from a from a from a mentality perspective, I think Florida is going to come in here with the right mentality mm-hmm. on the road. That's going to be interesting because now the last time Emory Jones played on the road it was the night game at the grocery store in Kentucky Super Bowl. So, um, but 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 this isn't a seven o'clock kickoff in Death Valley. This is a noon game. This is an eleven a.m. local time football game, and the last time we played an eleven a.m. local time football game in LSU. A Jim McElwain-led football team with Austin Appleby at quarterback won the SEC East. Yeah. If that can happen, then this Gators team can go well, on the road and win at LSU. I think I think especially because Florida is, is a skewed, heavier running team. Correct. I, and running teams have had success against LSU. Kentucky has had massive success. UCLA is, a, is while very pushed balanced, them is a pushed them around on the ground earlier in the, in the year. So I think that the the their the keys to success are there are, are for Florida to get ahead, stay ahead, move the ball, be balanced, rely on your running game. I think everything is there for Florida to be able to take this game. Like I agree. the only reason I think people are scared, like Florida fans are really scared or saying we're gonna lose this game, is honestly the mental aspect. Like I was gonna say, I don't think I don't think we're afraid of as fan, like general fan base. I don't think the fan base is afraid of the team. The fan base is afraid of the logo. Yeah, it's 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 the factors, and in reality, these factors don't, and also do have a lot to do with the game. Like these mental, these outside mental factors, this luck and everything can be a part of it, unless the players just decide that it's not. Like mm-hmm. correct. And if then in that in that case, it's up to the team and the coaches. But like people are just scared of oh, we lost to LSU last year. Oh, this team's not as good as we thought. Oh, we're going on the road. Oh, mm-hmm. it's shaped. There's no reason for us to lose this game, which is why they think that we will. And right. like, it's a it's a, a jaded mentality. Yeah. And it, but opinion. if you look at it, I think especially LSU has a lot like their best receiver just got out for the year. Several of their cornerbacks are out. They're walking in limped and injured. Max Johnson's a pretty good LSU quarterback. He beat a, us last year. He beat us last year. He's been all right from a from a production standpoint, but LSU's walking and limped. They're actually not good. And mm-hmm. Florida is at least fine. Like, I think Florida's a good team. It's just not a great team. Like, um, Correct. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. But here's the thing. In a typical year, LSU would be a great team. I don't think LSU's even a good team right That's now. where I'm at, too. Like, I think they are a mediocre team at best right now. Um, and with that, I think we need to transition to, is this – if – LSU loses this football game, which we're I think we're both predicting. I think we're both predicting. So let's let's go off of that, right? Let's live mm-hmm. in that universe. Is this the nail in the coffin for Cocho? Yes. 
but not in the way that I think people would immediately think. Like, I don't think he's getting fired after this game if he loses, mm-hmm. but I think it's almost it's impossible to come back from this. Like, so let me let me let me ask then. If you don't think he's going to get fired right away, with a job like USC open, um, do you think that LSU, if they're done with him, right? Maybe they do the Will Muschamp thing where he gets the last few games of the year, they announce it. Um, do you think that it would be smart for them to officially open the job so they can start the search process so they can get ahead and make up on the few weeks that USC has had on, has I th- on So I think it'd be really smart for them to, to, to fire him soon because mm-hmm. you still haven't played Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Alabama. Correct. And if, and if you lose this game, you will win at most one of those games. Like you are losing they, – Listen, they have one more guaranteed win, and that's Louisiana Monroe the week before the last game of the season. It's but like Texas you said, Arkansas, Wait. Ole Miss, Alabama, and Texas A&M are the other four games after this week. You will at most, if everything went right perfectly, you would at most win two of those games. You would at mm-hmm. most beat LSU, and you would at most sorry, at most beat Texas A&M, and at most beat one of Arkansas or Ole Miss. Like, and honestly, if that happens, Coach O might be the guy for the job. If you can win those two football games, then you can, as an LSU booster or whatever, can convince yourself that, okay, he can turn this around. This was a rough – COVID was rough on them. The injuries were rough on them. It would be he smart can turn for this them around. then to then just cut bait because th- this is the problem we just talked about all with USC is that USC mm-hmm. always started out terribly, got themselves into a position where nothing really mattered as, except for like the pride and the logo. Right. And then Clay Helton would kind of figure it out by the end of the year. And you mm-hmm. know what? In the NFL, that would be great. But right. What sucked is that USC kept boosters, kept convincing themselves that, oh, this team's not bad. They end up being like an eight and four team. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll turn it around next year. Yep. But then that never happens. And it was smart. And I think it was very smart of them this year to cut bait early. So they, they removed themselves from being able to be convinced of that. Like, mm-hmm. and so I think from a, from a smarts perspective, like LSU, there's just, they're, they're not going to have a good, year this year it's too far for that like you lost you lost to kentucky and auburn two of the games that you really needed to win like if you were gonna have a good season even if you beat florida even if you beat texas a&m you're gonna lose to alabama you're gonna lose to one of Ole miss and and uh arkansas so it's just i think he should but i don't know if they will physically do the firing just yet because but but it's just that like if he loses this game, it's like nail in the coffin. There's just nothing else that can really save him. Like it's a metaphorical nail in the co- nail in the coffin. Yeah, it's not the it's it's not the um, actual like hand in the pink slip. You're done. But yes. like, but it's basically oh okay, we're just finding the right time. Like yeah, I agree. I agree. Honestly, that might have already happened in Kentucky. Like, like after after the Kentucky game, yeah, that might have already this might have already happened, and they just haven't fired him yet. Like mm-hmm. we, I don't know what it's like in that building, but it's like because losing to Auburn to me as an LSU fan, yeah, it was historic, and that they lost in Death Valley, but they lose to Auburn every two three years. Like, yeah, no, no, it's not. Yeah, that Auburn's that game wasn't to me. Rivalry. Auburn yeah. is like the Georgia game where it's just like losing it hurts, but like you don't ex- you don't expect to dominate that rivalry like realistically. Like and that game, to be honest, you can really go back and pinpoint. Um, oh, I'm sorry, listeners. Um, um, the U.S. national team qualifier is going on right now, and Sergio Desta scored un golazo with his left foot to tie the game. We were down one, one, one. That's why I was very stressed. 
Sorry, we're continuing here. But if you hear an advert, ooh, that's why. Sorry, national team qualifiers. It, it's in my blood. Anyway, <laughs> but you can trace back the LSU, the Auburn loss for LSU. You can, if you really want to, just say, look, it was a good, good Bo Nix game. You know, like yeah, look I mean, at what he lost, did. It was a very close game. Like, yeah, it was, a, and it was a well, well played game in my opinion. One of the better played games that they've had this season. And they just ended up on the wrong side of it. So and I'm with you. It could have been done after Kentucky. They, um, they, but I think Kentucky losing to Florida and Kentucky. Their butt, like, and yeah, Kentucky whipped them. And Kentucky if, made them look like it was in the UCLA game where they just were blown out of – on the line of scrimmage. Blown yeah, out. Yeah. So and if Florida does that, then yeah, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, okay. is interesting because like huge Gene Chizik energy. Like <laughs> – like, who, by you the way, won. I love on SEC now on the SEC network. He's incredible as Can an analyst. Can you imagine Coach O doing broadcast? Coach, uh, so what do you what are you seeing here? Well, you see they're locked up in a in a, in a four wide zone over here. So what oh, you want to do? Man, nose man, tackles, man, guys. Man, no, man, nose man, tackles man, gonna want to go inside to the A gap. You know, once he gets in the A gap, and that way the fullback can fall on his behind. You know, you want you want to take some of them stone crabs. <laughs> all right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm Jesus. Done. Um, all right, so we're both predicting a Florida victory and. By default, we're predicting the nail in the coffin for Coach O may not be fired immediately on Sunday or Monday. It's but it's it's going to be impossible to come back from this right. with the especially with, with, with this that current schedule. No. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Let's move on to our five wide games this week, Tyler. First one is number twelve Oklahoma State going up against number twenty five Texas. It's a noon kickoff on Fox. Um, you pick first this week, I Tyler. So first. who do you have? So I'm so torn because Texas has looked so much better. Um, much better and but i keep picking against oklahoma state <laughs> and they keep winning <laughs> um <laughs> the, the lot riding on principle. this one for me um <laughs> i'm gonna go with the team that i truly believe is a better football team and i'm gonna go with the texas longhorns because i do i truly a large part of oklahoma's oklahoma state's ranking is because of all those other teams losing and the fact that they just mm-hmm. haven't really lost much agreed agreed so i'm gonna go with texas actually i i agree with you i'm also gonna go with texas and I'm going to go with Texas because I do not – I put a lot of faith in Spencer Sanders last year. I I bought into Oklahoma State last year, and I was wrong. Spencer yeah, Sanders is – like, He did not. He's an average college football quarterback, um, and I really liked what I saw out of Texas last week despite in a loss. Um, and like I said, first quarter and a half, they were back. If they can channel that energy throughout the rest of the season, they're going to look good. And hey, look, they could play – um, they could play Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game again. Their only conference loss is Oklahoma. Arkansas, while an old rivalry, an old Southwest rivalry, wasn't a conference game. So we could see them again in the Big 12 title game. That would be a lot of fun. So I'll take Texas. I think they're the better football team. I think they're um, better coached, better talent all around. And I think similar to Florida's reaction to the Kentucky game um, with Louis, where with um, Vanderbilt, where he kind of went out there, then um, I think that's going to happen with Texas. For, uh, for Texas. Exactly. I expect the same. Yeah. Well-coached team. So, all right. Next up, we have Auburn taking on Arkansas. It is a noon kickoff, but it is a CBS football game. Um, they have those double headers every um, for a few weeks each season. Each season. Last week, it was 3.30 and 8. This week, it is noon and 3.30. So, we get Auburn and Arkansas. Um, I go first this one. Tyler, I'm going to take Arkansas. And I'm going to take Arkansas because I think that they played incredible football last week. And for me, they are head and shoulders better than what's going on over in Auburn. 
Um, I still like Bo Nix. I think he's primed to have a good game. I think he's be- being more consistent, which is ironic that we talk because we talk about good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix. But he's, but he's still being himself, a bit more consistent. But he's a more consistent version of like exactly, exactly. So I'm going to take Arkansas. Uh, KJ Jefferson again, <laughs> great value. Uh, Cam Newton, I like him a lot, and uh, again, I love Sam Pittman. We so. got Cam Newton at home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Arkansas. Who do you have? I'm also going to go with Arkansas. Like, okay, cool, perfect. I fully believe that our Auburn could win this game. Like they have mm-hmm. everything they need there, but Arkansas has been better. Arkansas has looked better, mm-hmm. and I like the moment. Like even though they've lost two straight, mm-hmm. that last game was just basically a coin toss in all things yeah. considered. And I think that Auburn Auburn has some good moments, but Auburn's floor is way lower and ceiling not as high. So agreed, completely agreed. Um, speaking of teams that are just by far and away better than their competition, um, we have. The number 11th ranked Kentucky Wildcats going between the hedges to take on the number. Sorry, that was like extremely. It's hard for me to get through this one. The, the number one ranked Georgia. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, yeah. He's, he's fading. He's fading. All right, remember, number three Cincinnati. Number three Cincinnati. Number three Cincinnati. Oh, 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 I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, my God. Okay. Wow. Divine intervention right there. Thank you, Todd. Um, yeah, our uh, Kentucky's going to Athens to take on Georgia. It's a number 11 versus number one matchup. It's a 3-30 game of the week on CBS. Um, yeah. uh, you go first. I go first. So I'm gonna Does it matter rip, who goes first? I'm going to rip the bandaid off. It's Georgia. Okay. I really wish it wasn't, but it's going to be Georgia. Like I echo your sen- same sentiments. It's going to be Georgia. Like, I wish it wasn't. No it breaking be. down, no analysis. I just I, and it's, and it's in Athens too. Like what mm-hmm. are you going to – let me say this. This by no means is an insult or discredit to how well coached and good of a football team Kentucky is. They're amazing. Georgia is on another planet this season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I like Will Levis. I do. Um, but I do not believe that he is the missing ingredient to beat one of the best college football defenses we've seen in a long time and if we're talking best ever we have conversations of 09 bama and maybe 01 miami in terms of good defenses um diff- the, each the, each one of those defenses had like a different strength uh georgia's is definitely just like size and stopping the run and all that kind of stuff um so yeah i will take georgia on that one by no means is it an insult to kentucky though so agreed all right, fourth game, Tyler. Number 22-ranked NC State going up to Boston to take on Boston College. It is a 7.30 kickoff on the ACC Network, so it might as well be on Nickelodeon since no one has access to the ACC Network. Um, listeners, we did this right before we started recording. Um, <laughs> I have the Pac-12 Network. I live in South Florida. I have the Pac-12 Network, but I don't have the ACC Network. Make it Explain make sense. Explain that to me. <laughs> <laughs> make it make sense okay um but alas i will be doing a lot of uh, extended highlight watching of this game on sunday and i'll be keeping tabs on it on my phone during the evening tyler i go first on this one um oh man okay this is tough this is tough this is the coastal correct this isn't the Atlantic. no this is no, the atlantic this is, the atlantic. This is clemson's this is, division this is um, clemson's division uh so actually this is Wake Forest's division, sir. Oh, geez. All right. <laughs> as we, as it stands, okay. Um, I'm going to go with NC State. 
Uh, Phil Dracovic is out for the entire season with an injury, and I'm not so comfortable. I, I like the way that this NC State team has been playing. They've had a couple blunders, um, but I'm I'm internally pulling for a Wake Forest. Uh, uh, internally, I'm pulling for like a Wake Forest NC State. The winner gets to go to the conference championship game matchup in a couple weeks. So I'm going to go with NC State in this one. Okay. Even though I like what's going on up in up in uh, Chestnut Hill, I really do like what's going on. And Phil Dracovich was quarterback. If he was healthy, this would be a different conversation. Very true. I'm going to go different on this one. I think I'm going to go with Boston College because um, – I just you I, need to I, make up ground. Maybe that's part of it, and this is <laughs> this is the safest bet between all of those. Um, mm-hmm. But NC State for sure is one of those things where, like, NC State beat Clemson, great. I don't think that this is a. I don't think this will be the first team since Philip Rivers to win ten games. I really, I just don't like. Okay, and I think those losses have to come somewhere. And Boston College, even without Phil Dracovic, has played really well. So. It's also up in Chestnut Hill. It's in Boston. So yes. it is a road game for NC State. Is this the bandana game? I don't think this would be. No, that, that bandana game this year actually coincided with 9-11. Gotcha. Which was okay. actually really, really – that, that was, was actually good. pretty cool that yeah. that, that kind of uh, – for yeah. those that don't know, the bandana game is an annual game for Boston College. They have an alumni who was on the lacrosse team. He was uh, an investment banker. He worked in the trade World Trade Center, and he was a volunteer firefighter, and um, he died in – the 9-11 you know he died on 9-11 because um he ended up going back up to one of the towers multiple times to save other people so he saved a lot of people's lives and the reason that people call it red bandana game is because he always carried a red bandana on him and when that happened he put the red bandana on and he went up and so people later on said oh how did you get out they said this guy with this red bandana was up saving going up and they ended up tracking him down or you know they followed the breadcrumbs and realized that that was actually him. So every year Boston College honors him and his family um, by having a red bandana game. They have really cool red bandana uniforms that they wear. And this year it just so happened to fall on 9-11 the first couple weeks of the year. So um, not everyone knows that. So that's a wonderful story. There's a really – it's one of those special things in college football that deserve to be highlighted. There's a really good Tom Fernelli um, like 12-minute – yeah, it's fantastic. We – we actually watched it in one of my journalism classes because it was that good. Me too. Um, John Fernelli came in to speak with us, and we watched it before he spoke with us. It was really cool. Dope. So, um, so yeah, that was one of the uh, one of the nicer traditions, one of the more wholesome, heartful traditions that we have in college football. So, it is not the Red Bandana game, Tyler, but now everyone knows what the Red Bandana game is. So, you have Boston College. I have NC State. Last game on five wide, we have Ole Miss. Taken on Tennessee, 7.30 Eastern on the SEC Network, which I do, in fact, have, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, you pick first. Who you got, my friend? Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm not actually entertaining any uh, other possible outcomes. Than, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually – so full, full stop, I was looking for the next thing when we do two point. I was looking when you asked that, so that's why uh-huh. I was a little bit ahead. That's okay. Listen, um, you're looking at two points. I'm watching a World Cup qualifier. It's okay, uh, dude. No, we, take, okay. we podcast seriously. Um, hey, we do podcast seriously. Yeah. It's just the only time we could record was around a qualifier. So, uh, <laughs> But so Tennessee has played really well offensively the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um. But I still I still hold to my same thing with Josh Heupel offenses that like when they play talent teams that are as as talented or lesser talented than them, 
they're amazing. But when they play teams that are like slightly better than them, it really falls apart because mm-hmm. you're asking your receivers to run vertical routes all game. And that's great when you score on those or you score on those big runs and then they're actually not out there that often. Like, mm-hmm. but um, Tennessee burned Missouri. They burned South Carolina. And now they're going up against an Ole Miss team that, in my opinion, has an even better offense than them. And this is still a Tennessee team that what lost 38 to 14 by a rather pedestrian performance by Florida. Like, mm-hmm. and while I have to entertain that there's a possibility that Tennessee could, could win a shootout because they have the capability of doing that. If it devolves that way, mm-hmm. I think Ole Miss is better. I think Ole Miss is better. I think Tennessee's not going to be able to stop Ole Miss on offense consistently. And Ole Miss defense is going to get one or two more stops than Tennessee will. So I'm going to go with Matt Corral and the Ole Miss uh, Rebels. Tyler, you have siblings, correct? I do. You have younger siblings? Uh, exclusively, actually. Exclusively. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so when you were growing up and you wanted to do something, was your younger sibling always like behind you and asking, I want to do it too? Oh, all the time. Cool. Ole Miss is the older sibling. Tennessee is the younger sibling. Is this a Manning reference? No, no, this is not a Manning reference. <laughs> this is a Tennessee wishes that their offense was what Lane Kiffin does. Ooh-hoo-hoo. That's what this is. Oh, this and is it's Lane a, Kiffin too. This former is former head yeah. coach of Tennessee. <laughs> exactly. Lane Kiffin's going to do some things to this football team. It's. Uh, I. I think this one will get out of hand quickly. I do. Um, it's fun that this is a. Um, Manning thing. Did you see what uh, Eli said about Peyton with this game? I'm scared that he's scared to do the Manning so, cast. So Eli and Peyton have been doing these like alternate broadcasts on Monday Night Football, which are a thousand times better than the regular broadcast. Have you have you seen one? Uh, I have. I've, I've not actually gotten to watch one because I'm usually working. Um, mm-hmm. But I saw the first half of one of them. It's incredible. It's just them. It's literally just the Manning brothers watching a football game together. It's fantastic. Um so Eli was like, yeah, I asked Peyton if he wanted to do the Ole Miss Tennessee game this year. But he said, you know, he wouldn't get back to me. He didn't answer me. <laughs> so it's a nice little friendly jab there. <laughs> and honestly, you know what? Peyton deserves it because everyone else in his family went to Ole Miss and he's the traitor and he's the one that went to Tennessee. So and what is it? What was he rewarded for? He never beat Florida. That was his reward for it. He never beat Florida. Um, no, I love Peyton Manning. I really do. I'm just messing with him. Um, I also have Ole Miss. It's really not a difficult decision here. Um like I said, it's going to get ugly quick. It's going to get ugly quick. Oh, yeah. All right. Two-point conversions. I go first. Let's look at a fun one. Let's look at a fun one. Yeah, let's get let's get wild. Some notable games. We got UCF Cincinnati. It's noon on ABC. Um, Michigan State, Indiana, noon FS1. A lot of good noon games. A lot of good noon games. Um, do, 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 do. Hmm, I could go Nebraska, Minnesota, another nooner. Um, I was going to destroy Purdue this week. BYU plays Baylor. This looks fun. Mm-hmm. You got Miami, North Carolina. You got Pitt, Virginia oh, Tech. Derek King's out for the season, by the way. He is. He had shoulder surgery. Did you see what he tweeted? No. So Manny Diaz said that he opted to have shoulder surgery, and De'Ara King quoted it and said, opted? Question mark? It was since deleted, but uh, yeesh. Yikes, my guy. And hey, that is a official Florida Panthers um, NIL collegiate athlete, De'Ara King, to you, my friend. 
That is Copy. what he is. Copy. I'll say that. Um, all those games are fun. All those games are great. There's TC Oklahoma as well, 730 ABC. Um, but I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go to the well. I got some... I got a cushion. I got nine points ahead of you. I can take a gamble on a fun two-point. I can break one of my rules, right? I'm going to take Pitt over Virginia Tech. Oh, no. It's, you have, it's just rolling the you dice, have you know? the gods. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I hope that I have not angered them too much, but um it's fun. I just I just love to root for pit in crazy wacky no, situations. I love this cuz now I'm actually going to turn the pit game on. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I always love pit games, but they're they're very seldomly important like um to exactly. the national college football landscape, so I don't often watch them in real time. Now I think I'm probably going to do that. Exactly. <laughs> like, um, You're welcome. I'm just making it a fun evening for you, my friend. All right. That game is that game is uh three thirty Eastern on ESPN two. Such a weird spot for a football game. It's such yeah. a paid time slot. Three thirty on ESPN two. Yeah, for real. Who do you have? <sighs> okay. I am gonna give him. I'm gonna give him one last chance. I'm gonna give him one last chance. I'm going to give the Washington Huskies one last chance to win me this back. This is why you're losing. <laughs> you're putting your faith in an Washington offensive coordinator. Washington is favored in this game, sir. Like, you are putting your faith in an offensive coordinator who worked for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You, a resident native son of Duval <laughs> County, should know better than to do this. Now you're, making me, now you're making me rethink it. but Yeah, because I love you and I care about you. you They're le- playing UCLA. <laughs> Yeah. Eight o'clock Eastern, eight thirty Eastern on Fox. Five thirty for you, you West Coaster. Hmm. Can I change it? Or will you let me? You're the last one. You can do whatever you want. You're down by nine. You can change whatever you want. Oh boy, Jesus. Okay. I I uh. Now that's oh. Part part of me wanted to just. I just saw the Vanderbilt South Carolina game, and it's just like oh. <laughs> How terrible would that game be? Like, <laughs> do you um, want to actually no, no, like not for this? To watch not that for this. Game? No, oh, not okay. for this. Um, I am going to take um, Stanford to beat Washington State. See, this is a much better decision. I'm very proud of you. That's what you should have been putting. <sighs> something, well done, in the air, something in the air out here, man. I can't. I can't think straight. Like. <laughs> It's the lack of sleep you've had for the past three That's days working on Redacted possible. Six. That's very possible. Like, <laughs> Redacted guys, Six will take it out of you, dude. This is why there's going to be a film strike. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, Tyler. To recap the five wide, uh, Oklahoma State, Texas, noon kickoff on Fox. We both have Texas. Auburn, Arkansas, noon kickoff on CBS. We both have Arkansas. Kentucky, Georgia, 330. <laughs> We both have uh, that school that's north of, of the St. John's River. Um, NC State, Boston College, 730 on ACC Network. I have NC State. You have Boston College. Ole Miss, Tennessee, 730 SEC Network. We both have Lane Kiffin, Eli Manning, and the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, my phone is ringing, and I'm so sorry. Um, Two-point conversion. It's the gods calling you about the pit, Virginia Tech pit. <laughs> Just saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? 
Um, Two-point conversions. I have Pitt over Virginia Tech for some godly reason. And you have Stanford over Washington State because I care for you, Tyler, and I was looking out for you. If Stanford loses and Washington pulls an upset, uh, well, they're their favorites. So I don't even know. Like uh-huh. a, a people's upset. <laughs> um, okay. I... I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose my can mind. I, can like, I be honest? I, I have full faith in in the defense for Washington. I don't think that that offense can keep up with Chip no, Kelly. No, you're right. You're right. I I feel like when I look at the line, it's a, it's a play on UCLA falling apart, not anything to do with Washington. Exactly. And I like if if I was a well, gambling well, I, man, that's super possible. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I would I would take UCLA in that situation. So. Um, all right, Tyler. Hey, look, we, we got it in. All right. We got the pod in. We got all the content in. It may not have been the two episodes like we usually do, but we got our content out there. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully with two episodes. Yeah. If not, we'll get a combined episode like this for some way or another. You will get your pod college football content out there next week. You Tyler, get is there it. anything you want to say before we sign off? Uh, um, just... Guys, don't move to the West Coast if you want to be good at picking football games. Like, <laughs> so that's not say. true. That's not entirely that's true. I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I'm excited for another week. This week is a little more low key than last week. But as we know in college football, the moment you think a week's going to be boring, something will happen. So agreed. Agreed. And that's you exactly. picked a pick game just to make sure that it did. Like, I picked a pick game so that we could enjoy watching pit football. I appreciate that. You're welcome, Tyler. You're welcome. I'm excited to watch it now. As am I. As am I. Uh, This has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. We're not biased, Tyler, but go Gators. Go Gators.